from the heart of the Nippy Radio Recording Studios high atop 107 Columbia with both eyes on the thermometer as this supposedly beautiful fall weather is disguised very successfully as a hot, unpleasant August day. But despite all of this, we're going to be proceeding today and examining evidence that is non-hearsay but absolutely appears to be and which can be overlooked when presenting your case because of the belief that it is hearsay. So let's get started. There are many hearsay exceptions to the basic evidentiary rule that a hearsay statement is not admissible at trial, such as when the statement is an admission or an excited utterance or pedigree material. There are also out-of-court statements which appear to be hearsay but are not because they are not introduced for the truth of their content. Such statements are introduced to merely establish that they were said or to establish the state of mind of the declarant or to show the effect of the statement on a person who heard it, or to complete the narrative of events in order to avoid confusion on the part of the fact finder. An example of this final point can be found in People v. Parson, a First Department case from 2012. The court wrote, The citizen witness, a caseworker for a foster care agency, testified at trial, but his child passenger, a client of the agency, did not. The witness testified at trial that the child pointed out of the car window while displaying an agitated demeanor, and that this caused the witness to turn around, look out of the window, and see the defendant pointing a weapon. The child's demeanor and conduct did not constitute a nonverbal hearsay declaration because they were not intended to assert facts or convey information. At most, the child conveyed a direction to look out of the window in any event. Even if the child's behavior constituted a nonverbal declaration, it was not offered for its truth. Instead, it was admissible for the legitimate non-hearsay purpose of completing the narrative and explaining the events. All of the previous examples are not hearsay, although a defense attorney may argue that they are in an effort to preclude their admissions. As such, you are not required to establish that there is a hearsay exception in order to justify their admission. Such evidence does not create any legitimate Crawford objection. To establish that any of these are subject to be admitted into evidence, you need only demonstrate there exists the basic criteria needed for the admission of any evidence, that it is competent, relevant, and material. The introduction of such evidence that, if introduced for the truth of its content, would be hearsay, requires the court to give the jury a limiting instruction explaining the degree to which they may use this evidence as presented and then not to use it for the truth of its content. One of the most significant areas for the use of such evidence is when it explains the procedures followed by law enforcement officers in taking the defendant into custody. The appellate courts have held that such evidence is admissible at trial. The most significant use of this evidence is found in two general situations. The first is when the police are in pursuit of the defendant right after the crime has been committed, and the second is when the police are conducting the investigation that results in his or her arrest. The case of People v. Tosca, a 2002 Court of Appeals decision, is the foundation case for the authority to admit this evidence and is cited in cases with both Frank scenarios. The Tosca court held, the trial court did not abuse its discretion in admitting the police officer's testimony concerning an unidentified cab driver's report of a recent encounter with the armed defendant. The testimony was admitted not for its truth, 
but to provide background information as to how and why the police pursued and confronted the defendant. In this decision, they also cite another useful case, People v. Till, a court of appeals case, as well. Furthermore, the trial court twice explicitly instructed the jury on the limited use it could make of the testimony, and that the testimony was not to be considered proof of the uncharged crime. And of course, that is one of the most significant parts of this area, is that when such evidence is introduced, the court must give a limiting instruction to the jury. The holdings in the case of People v. Garcia and De Jesus, a 2015 Court of Appeals case, explain the propriety of a law enforcement officer's testimony that the defendant has become a suspect and explaining the procedures that followed that led to the apprehension. Such evidence is admissible as long as the manner or presentation of that evidence does not suggest there was a form of identification by a witness who does not testify, or it adds evidence of motive, etc., by recounting the law enforcement officer's conversation with a person who does not testify. The Garcia case had these errors and was reversed, but the case of De Jesus only introduced the fact that De Jesus was a suspect without any improper inferential testimony, which would have violated the right of confrontation. Another example is found in People v. Matos, a 2006 case from the First Department where leave had been denied by the Court of Appeals. In this case, evidence that the police had secured defendant's name and picture, which they received from the defendant's brother, as part of the investigation of a homicide was not a violation of hearsay rules nor the defendant's confrontation rights and was properly admitted to explain police actions and complete the narrative of the police actions. Court wrote, were we to review defendant's hearsay and confrontation clause challenges to a detective's testimony regarding certain investigatory steps he took, we would find that the testimony was not received for its truth, but for the legitimate non-hearsay purpose of completing the narrative and explaining police actions. Another example of something that is not hearsay but appears to be is the introduction of the description of a perpetrator given by a witness to law enforcement officers. It is, rather, evidence that is admitted to assist the jury in determining the reliability of the witness's identification of the defendant by comparing the description given by the witness with the defendant's appearance. This is what's known as the Huertas Rule coming from the case of People v. Huertas, a 1990 Court of Appeals decision. In addition to the witness being permitted to testify to the description he or she gave, a law enforcement officer is also permitted to testify to the description given to him or her by the witness. This was held to be appropriate in People v. Smith, another Court of Appeals case addressing Huertas in 2013. Law enforcement officers testifying to a victim or eyewitness's identification of the defendant has been and continues to be, when introduced for the truth of its content, impermissible bolstering, and, in some situations, can be a major component of a reversible error. However, when a law enforcement officer testifies to such an identification to complete the narrative of events leading to the defendant's arrest, this is not considered impermissible bolstering because it is not direct evidence. It is rather introduced to give the jury 
the full picture of what led to the defendant's arrest and to explain the police conduct. In the case of People v. Rosenberg, a First Department case with leave denied in 2013, the court wrote, The testimony was admissible in any event as background evidence completing the narrative. So, in many cases, it is now permissible with a strong limiting instruction from the court for the officer to testify the witness made an identification of the defendant. This makes the presentation of evidence much clearer and reassuring to a jury. But again, in all of these situations, please do not forget the fact that the court is required in most situations where the evidence could be considered hearsay to give the limiting instruction and the purpose for which the evidence is being introduced. Please be sure to take a look at the written version of today's nifty practice tip that is just chock full of case law authority and a few statutory authorities as well. Also, see the expanded memo entitled Hearsay, Statements That Are Not But Sound Like It that can also be found in the Prosecutor's Encyclopedia. As always, we want to thank our crack producer and weatherman extraordinaire, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well and stay ready, my friends. Yeah.